Welcome to the Black Agenda Podcast. I'm your co-host, Devin Dito, along with my co-host, AJ and Guess, and we are back. Back like we never left. I know it's been a while since you've heard our voices on our weekly roundup. This is the first edition of Season 5, our chance to bring you all the news from probably the last two months. It's been a little bit since we talked about it, Adrian, um, but we have a lot of news to get to uh, some breaking news about, you know, abortion, but also some things that have happened, like I say, over the last couple of months that we just haven't been able to get give our opinions on. But we are excited to be back here for season five. This is the first edition of our weekly roundup series. So if you're new to this thing, this is our chance to give you all the breaking news. We kind of we kind of give it to you in a few different ways. We cover breaking news, hard news, funny news and weird things at the end of the show which is our favorite segment called Quick Hits. So make sure you stick around for that um, as we get through the show. So, uh, Adrian, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited to be back, back in the host seat, you know, a co-host seat, rather, um, getting ready to, you know, bring the news to the people. Yeah, it's, you know, it's interesting because whenever we have our season breaks, I kind of check out with the news and I like, and then every once in a while, I'll, I'll see something like, man, I wish we could do like a quick little special on this. But <laughs> here we are back at it, season five, uh, week three, up one. So plenty of news as always, listeners, get ready for it. That's right. And so let's get right into it. Our first segment here is going to be a little bit differently than in the past. We're going to cover three really big topics and give you our commentary around it. So the biggest story of this week, the past two months, is probably going to be the Supreme Court's decision that they announced yesterday to officially overturn Roe versus Wade, which has now set off a cascade of anti-abortion leg- legislation that will affect roughly half the country. And so without this landmark precedent in place, access to abortion will change quickly. And how quickly? Within minutes. And that's what happened in Missouri, where they had a trigger law that was ready as soon as Roe versus Wade was overturned. All it took was, I believe, for the state's attorney general or the governor to say they agree with the court's decision and that they will let the law take effect. And that has already happened in Missouri. They have signed the paper. Abortion is officially outlawed in that state. And there are 12 other states with these so-called trigger bans that will let their bans take effect if they agree with the road decision. Some It's all a little bit differently, but when we say trigger bans, meaning these laws could go into effect within 30 days of the Supreme Court decision. Um, there are also other states that have anti-abortion laws that have been blocked by the courts, and they are now expected to go forward. We're trying to implement those now that Roe versus Wade is no longer the law of the land. And lastly, uh, there are also 20 states and the District of Columbia who, where the abortion is legal and access is likely to be protected. So, Adrian, you know, we went from not essentially universal, I mean, pretty much universal right to abortion. Uh, This has been precedent for years. We had Supreme Court justices, uh, even Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, during their hearings say it is the law of the land. It is precedent. We will acknowledge that. We will, I wouldn't say follow that, but they did not in any way hint that they would be for getting rid of Roe versus Wade. But yet here we are in a 6-3 decision now that Roe versus Wade has been struck down and it's pretty much now we're in a patchwork, you know, some states will allow it. Some states will not. Yeah, that's what we're seeing, Devin. Um, 
it's it's unfortunate. I, I get the idea that you know we're not supposed to be killing you know babies, and I get that there's a lot of religious things that go into abortion. But I always go back to the fact that God gives us free will. You know, it's you know He doesn't you know. I, and, and listeners, I'm not about to preach to you, but I'm just saying if you are religious, um, you know that God allows you to do whatever you want to do. Um, whether you, you know, want to smoke dope, you want to be a prostitute, you want to do whatever you want to do. God allows you to do all those sorts of things, but you choose not to do those things because of the love you have for him or whatnot. So I think we're going about this the wrong way. I've always said, if we're going to address abortion, it's got to be on an issue of what can we do to incentivize, um, expecting mothers to have their children, whether that be through tax incentives, um, bettering the foster care and, and adoption systems. Um, maybe that's some sort of uh, program where they have time off of work. I mean, it's a lot of different ways we can make sure that expecting moms have more equity out of this thing of birth giving or having children rather. Uh, and until we start to really tackle that, laws like this, Devin, are only going to push us back even further because um, people are just now going to have to travel. I mean, there's 20 states in the District of Columbia where abortion is legal. So people are just going to have to travel for it. Um, they're going to have to make sure that either A, their health insurance plans cover cross-state procedures, or B, they're going to have to do it in an elective procedure, which means they'll have to pay out of pocket for it. But either way, Devin, people are still going to do it. This is just going to be kind of like an obstacle and a roadblock, but it's not going to stop. Again, 20 states, it's already legal. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of where we are. And, you know, of course, I'm disappointed by the, by the decision. I'm not surprised, considering the strategy of the Republican Party over the last few decades has been to essentially stack the court. You know, you saw how they rushed through Amy Coney Barrett um, after uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And, you know, Donald Trump got three, you know, three placements on the court. So, I mean, they, they kind of stacked the deck. They stopped Obama from... Um, you know, appointing his Supreme Court pick. So this was kind of in the works for a while. But I think, you know, like you say, people are going to have to travel. Gavin Newsom of California has already come out and said that, you know, abortion is going to be protected. And you're seeing some even companies, you know, now I think uh, someone from one of the top executives from Dick Sporting Good has already said they will pay the, you know, the expenses to allow for an employee to travel to go get an abortion. And I think you're going to see more of that from especially the big tech companies. You're going to see more of that. Um, one thing I will say kind of is kind of bleak right now, but I will say it's a silver lining is that we've always had this conversation around abortion and we haven't really been able to have to debate it to convince people. It's an, it's not going to be banned away. Like we tried to do alcohol and, and marijuana and different things. We have to have a different conversation about giving people off ramps to abortion. That means, you know, whether that's funding for the mom, providing them with, you know, baby bonds and different things like that. I feel like now we will finally have those conversations because we have to actually do the work of convincing people in individual states, you know, that you have to vote for a referendum to enshrine abortion rights, but also along with these other things that can help people not have to make that decision or feel like that's the only choice. 
Oh, yeah. It's one of those situations where, you know, that's why certain states have more job opportunities, higher wages, mm-hmm. you know, better schools. We're leaving it up to state by state to do these things without realizing that we're a union uh, and we're strong together. <laughs> we're not. Yeah, we're yeah. a collection of 50 states, but we need to have uniform policy across the country um, to make sure that we can grow together. So um, talk, talking about some uniform policy, Devin, great little segue there. Um, our second story, <laughs> we'll pat on my own back. Um, our second story, listeners, for you talks about gun control and gun legislation. So the Senate on Thursday easily passed a bipartisan gun violence bill that seemed unthinkable just a month ago, and it's clearing the way for final congressional approval of what will be lawmakers' most far-reaching response in decades to the nation's run of brutal mass shootings. The $13 billion measure would toughen background checks for the youngest gun buyers, keep firearms from more domestic violence offenders, and help states put in red flag laws that make it easier for authorities to take weapons from people uh, adjudged dangerously. It would also fund local programs for school safety, mental health, and violence prevention. You know, Devin, I was talking to some, you know, listeners, I'm in Dallas, I'm staying in a hostel, and I was talking to someone from Sydney, Australia, and she said that she almost canceled her trip to Dallas because of the school shooting here in, in, in Texas at Uvalet. Um, and she was just like, the um, gun control laws are just ridiculous. She's like, in our country, we immediately banned, uh, you know, assault rifles when they had even one mass shooting. But here in America, I mean, we could have, you know, I don't know, five in one month. And this is the first time we're ever seeing a push towards actually helping things. Um, I definitely am going to, you know, applaud the Senate for doing this because it's bipartisan. I hope the House picks this up and passes it in a bipartisan fashion. Um, I think it goes to a lot to help with those who are younger with background checks, domestic violence offenders. Uh, we talked about red flag laws in prior uh, season. So, you know, Devin, everyone keeps saying, you know, more gun control is not going to stop those who commit crimes. But when you couple gun control with programs for like mental health and violence prevention, I think that's when you're going to start to see more positive results because a lot of these episodes that people are having are due to mental health or due to violence where they don't know how to kind of control their emotions or know how to interact with other people. Right. I I think we're we're not going to legislate our way out of uh, the gun violence problem um, because that hasn't worked in the past. I mean, it's, it's going to be, a multitude of things and it can't, it's not going to be just banning assault rifles and high capacity magazines. Um, it's going to, I think, I think at the core of it, we have a mental health problem and particularly in our schools and we're not providing the proper staff. When you talk about counselors and therapists, they're not, there's just not enough, enough of them in our schools to catch some of these kids before they commit some of these atrocities. Um, one other thing to point out, too, is that this legislation did pass the House uh, yesterday as well. So now it's going to President Biden's desk. It's going to more than likely be signed. So we actually did finally get some movement from Congress to try to reform uh, some of the gun rights. And that means tougher background checks. So, I mean, you could say, yes, Congress did something. We've been asking for this. Now, it's not everything. Bare bone minimum. Want it. Hey, 
the bar is low right now. <laughs> so it didn't take much to step over it. But so they did say it's the thought something. that counts. It's the thought that counts. It's not an end all be all. It's something. I didn't think they were going to be able to do anything. So they could at least hang their hat on. They did pass a bill. Now, whether it's good, you know, good, good legislation, we'll see in the long run. But it's a step in the right direction. Um, but we'll move to our uh, third story of this segment where Everson, Illinois, has now selected the first group of black residents who are going to receive reparations after the decision to make cash payments. So in an attempt to address its legacy of racial discrimination, I think we talked about this last year, um, Evanston, Illinois has selected 16 residents who who will receive $25,000 each in reparations as compensation. So this development comes as other states and municipalities begin to make decisions to study the possibility of reparations for discrimination and slavery. And so in the case of Evanston, though, this is about 30, 30 minutes north of Chicago, and the funds can only be spent on housing. And this includes down payments for home purchases, mortgage assistance, or home repairs. So it's limited, Adrian, when we talk about reparations, whereas this money comes with strings attached and you know conditions on what it can be used for. So I think using the word reparation is probably a stretch. In this case, it's not really reparations. <laughs> it's like a housing program, if you really want to be honest. <laughs> it's like something that you HUD know, could have put on. That That's pr- pretty much. Like, you can only use it for down payment, mortgage assistance, or home repairs. I mean, like, come on. <laughs> like, that's, we know. I can't discrimination even catch up on my bills or help my credit score with that. You no, know? you can't do any of that. <laughs> you can still get the client a business. for a mortgage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. So, it, uh, like like you said earlier, it's a step in the right direction. I don't. I, I like that they did it. I don't know if I necessarily like the limit it to just being spent on housing. I get that housing is great because we talked about how housing builds generational wealth. But uh, I mean, it, it is just twenty five thousand dollars. So it's just like. I mean, if I don't even have a home, what if I'm in an apartment, you know, and and I assume the 16 residents were ones who probably were homeowners or maybe they were looking to buy a home or I don't know how they selected these 16 people. But I thought it was an interesting story just to see that reparations is being, you know, it's being tested. It's, it's, It's being done. I mean, it's it's not in the. The best way, I feel like, as far as it's only being limited to housing, but at least they're being given $25,000 to make up for slavery. So, you know, we're, we're, we're you know, we're trucking along. It's like Thomas, the, the little train. <laughs> the little engine I think I can. I think I can. I, That's I, right. I, I think we can do something on reparations, but this is a small first step. How about that Credit to Evanston. It's Illinois, so they probably don't have a lot of extra change in that purse there. Mm, I don't know what Illinois is really known for. (laughs) Well, they have Chicago at least, but they do have legal marijuana now, listeners. So you know, there you go. No, I mean, I again, we don't. I don't mean to be negative about what Evanston is doing. I think it's it's a great thing. I just. I think there are some people who may be concerned about what the money was going to be used for if we gave these people cash. <laughs> and I think that's where, that's how it got whittled down to we only use it for housing. <laughs> I don't want you to spend it on drugs, alcohol, casino. 
You know, we're going to yeah. tell you how you should spend this reparation money. Just like we told you how to live and, you know, <laughs> everything. Right. I mean, it's it's just like what happens during tax time. Like you see the, all the people buying new cars and TVs and rims and all the stereotypical things people say. I guarantee you that that was a topic of conversation. They were like, we're not just going to oh, yeah. give these $25,000 and just let them just go ham and buy up everything. That's right. I mean, and honestly, and I know we're not in the quick hit section, but honestly, I, I think there, you know, some of the people probably would have, you know, used that twenty five thousand to just, oh no doubt, know, maybe some horse bets or you know, quick little thousand dollars at the casino, you know. <laughs> but that's their prerogative. I mean, that yeah, was true. the whole. That's 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 okay. That's fine. That's the whole point of it. You give them a check, they will figure out the best way to use it. Will they do something extra with it? More than likely, but that's their prerogative to do that. That's not the point of the program. Is not to dictate what people do with the money. It's to, it's to give the money to the people and let them decide the best way to use it. We're not in a position. We should be tired of telling people what to do with their own money. <laughs> or money that they get from the government. Like... <laughs> right, right right well that's it i digress <laughs> but uh we'll go ahead and take our first break listeners and when we come back we have a quick update section for you so we have about four or five stories we'll give you some updates on and we don't have time to really necessarily dig into but they are important things that you should know about what's going on so we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back we absolutely appreciate your support You are our foundation and our efforts work to better your communities. Tell your family and friends so we can all work toward progress. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter using our handle at BlackAgendaPod. Again, at BlackAgendaPod. Now, time to get back to the show. All right, listeners, welcome back. Let's get into it here. Our second segment, like Devin said, doing a different format here where this segment's more like some quick updates. So let's get right into it. Everybody's been talking about gas prices. I know when I was in LA, Devin, gas was $7 a gallon. So whew, I would have been riding the bus. So, Ooh. you know, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just spent $80 to fill up a Kia. So I feel you. Jeez. That's supposed to be like a $40 fill up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, I wish I, that was the one time I did miss the pandemic. I'm telling you, you know, well, President Biden's got a gas tax holiday for you, Devin. I don't, I don't own a car, so I don't have to worry about paying for gas. But this will help you out. President Biden is now calling on Congress to suspend the federal gas tax until September. Biden is also urging states and companies to pause gas taxes. Average, average price of gas is currently near five dollars. It's not clear how much of gas tax holiday would save Americans at the pump. So. It's one of those things I feel like Biden is probably doing because he knows midterms are approaching and he's got to look like he's doing something. So, (laughs) you know, we'll see what this is going to do for us. Like I said, I'm riding the bus in the metro. So, you know, I I feel uh, empathy for everybody who's paying five bucks a gallon, but might be a wake up call for us to switch to public transit. Right. I mean, maybe we'll see. Gas hasn't. You can't do that in Dallas, though. Dallas public transit sucks. Sorry, Dallas. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) we'll move to our next story. 
where a video of a traffic stop last week is going viral after a Miami-Dade police officer reportedly told a black driver, quote, this is how you guys get killed out here. So what happened is last Wednesday, uh, Gerard Nicholas was stopped by a motorcycle cop in Miami as he was driving to work. And Nicholas actually captured the unidentified officer saying, quote, give me your driver's license, registration and insurance. If not, you will not be going to work today. Simple thing, man. This is how you guys get killed out here. (laughs) So that officer is now placed on desk duty while Internal Affairs investigates um, aging, you know, <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I mean, I guess in in a way he was sort of speaking the truth because that's what they like to do. So he said the quiet part out loud. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's true. It's like, you know, if you don't, if you don't abide by the rules and you don't have these basic things, it's like you might be in trouble getting shot and killed. Life. Just, yeah, I mean, it's just license and registration, but you know, that's how it is. It's like. You know, we don't have those things and we try to go to reach for them and we get shot or we don't have those mm-hmm. things and other things gets pulled up when they cross our record and that gets, you know, the situation hostile. So, you know, it is a terrible situation. Um, another little update here, listeners, you know, a lot of people got babies right now. Um, a lot of people have been talking about baby formula. I, I guess this is a case to start breastfeeding, but I guess at a certain age, you got to stop breastfeeding. So... Uh, The Biden administration is expediting the travel of trucks that will drive about 1 million pounds of Gerber Good Start Gentle Infant Formula from a Nestle plant to U.S. retailers, the White House said. Cargo flights from Europe and Australia have already brought baby formula into the United States, including two new rounds of air shipments that begin this weekend. The country is facing shortages after the largest manufacturer of formula, Abbott, had its plant closed in February. You know, listeners, if you um, are entrepreneurial and you know how to make baby formula, now's a good time to launch your baby formula making company um, because there's a need for it in the market. I don't remember who said it, but somebody said it during the pandemic to not let a good crisis go to waste. (laughs) And I thought about that as soon as you said that. (laughs) That was terrible, but it represents an opportunity. It, it, I, and I wish it, I knew how to make baby formula. I'm not a chemist or whatever. I'm sure there's a lot of like you know science behind making baby formula because it's a powder, not just regular food. But you know, if I knew if I knew how to do it, I mean, I'd, I'd be pitching to some investor to throw me some money to start the next American <laughs> baby formula company. <laughs> That's true. Um, we don't have to ship it from Europe and Australia. We can you know made in America. Well, yeah, and this is what happens when you have one huge manufacturer playing in one industry, you know, in one market, essentially. Abbott was by far the biggest manufacturer of formula and they had the plant closed down and this is what happened. So this is something we're seeing in all industries where everything is consolidating. And in this case, this is one of the side effects of that. I bet Dr. Sheffy's got something on his website about this and the disruption (laughs) in the supply chain. Oh yeah, we should bring him on. (laughs) But we'll we'll move to our next uh, quick update here, which is about Walmart. The, the company announced on Wednesday that they are they are going to expand healthcare coverage for employees who want to enlist the services of a doula, which is a person trained to assist women during pregnancies. And this is hoping to address the racial inequities in maternal care. So 
They first offered this uh, service to employees in Georgia, and the company now says they will expand the same benefit to its employees in Louisiana, Indiana, and Illinois. And so uh, employing a doula as part of a birthing team actually decreases C-sections by 50% and shortens the time of labor by 25% and also decreases the need for other medical interventions by more than 50%. And that is according to the National Black Doulas Association. So Adrian, this is, hey, you know, Walmart is doing their part to try to tackle the problem of uh, black infant mortality, something that does not get enough attention. So hopefully um, those employees in Georgia and now those three other states can now have the option to have a doula with them to hopefully make the birthing, um, the birthing process safer and that they don't, you know, come up, come out with any sort of complications. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, you know, I thought this was a great story because everyone's talking about abortion and, you know, healthcare and babies, maternity, all that kind of things. Uh, and it's nice to see that Walmart is being proactive, at least in this world of making sure that they can have um, better services for mothers when they're expecting children, because it's, you know, it's an important thing. We know the health disparities within our community. Uh, another story we wanted to tell you about, listeners, you know, we've been talking about, you know, George Floyd since the beginning. You know, that's why we started our podcast. And now here's a little update about what's going on with Derek Chauvin. U.S. attorneys urged a federal judge on Wednesday to sentence former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin to 25 years behind bars for violating George Floyd's civil rights during a 2020 arrest. And CNN is reporting this. They also asked the judge to order that Chauvin serve the requested 25-year federal sentence concurrently with his state sentence, adding up to nearly 50 years in prison. Chauvin's attorneys did not immediately return CNN's request for comments. You know, I'm not one that says anyone needs to stay behind bars, be locked up, but, you know, 50 years is, you know, you took someone's life because, you know, you... You know, wanted to have your knee on their neck and you knew that you could have just easily detained them by just sitting them on the concrete or whatever. So, you know, I think Derek Chauvin is just realizing the mess he's in and I don't know what his lawyers are going to counter with, but I think he's getting what he's supposed to get. Yeah, he he earned it. <laughs> he certainly earned that sentence and should have gotten more, but We'll leave that there. But our last uh, quick update here is coming from Alaska, where school officials say they are investigating how students at a summer child care program were served floor sealant instead of milk. And they say the two, pro- the two products were not on the same palate as they first believed. And so officials say 12 students and two adults drank the floor sealant that they, th- that they thought was milk. And according to the district statement, a worker with the contractor took the box of floor sealant and poured its contents into cups to be served at breakfast. And then shortly after breakfast, students complained of the milk tasting bad and burning their mouths and their throats. And it was quickly discovered that what was served was a highly, a a slightly scented liquid floor sealant that resembled milk. Uh, The good news out of this ridiculous story is that all of the, all of the children are recovering as well as the adults. So nobody's, died as a result of this accident adrian but it's scary you know it, it, they're giving out free <laughs> you know they're giving out free food during a summer uh program and they poisoned them essentially 
<laughs> I guess it's, it's not funny. It's, it's, not, it's not funny at all. I know we're about to head into quick hits, but jeez, uh, it's like when I saw this, I was just like, wow. You know, I, I I'm glad that the kids had some uh, childcare services, but you know, we need quality childcare services. We don't need the services to be feeding them uh, floor sealant. You know, that's mm-hmm. we might as well just have them stay at home if they're going to be getting floor sealant. So. Uh, <laughs> But listeners, that's um, this is our new format for our episode. We hope you've enjoyed it. We still got our quick hits, but uh, just to let you know, that's this is how we're going to be doing it. You know, uh, three stories in our first segment, second segment got some quick hits or rather quick updates for you with a little bit of commentary in there. So hopefully you enjoy it. Send us some comments, post on our social media pages so we can know what you know what you like about it. But we still got another segment for you. So quick hits, get ready to laugh, get ready to have some fun, but make sure you stick with us. We'll be right back. back listeners so let's get into our quick hits here again this can get funny can get really kind of weird sometimes but this is by far our favorite segment of the show so our very first quick hit is going to come from shelbyville indiana where richard kesser took his friend john hop fishing on the ohio river last week and they were hoping for to land their first blue catfish well he did but this fish came with a secret toy surprise and I'll tell you later. So uh, the two actually got to talk to a Fox affiliate, WXIN, and said they noticed when they caught the fish, they noticed that when they got it in the boat, that its stomach was huge. It looked like something was inside of it. And they said at first they assumed it was because of maybe eggs or maybe some other uh, fish that they had eaten. And they said it is common for some fishes to eat turtles or muskrats or other animals, he told the station. But it wasn't until later in the day that he actually pressed down on the fish's stomach and he felt two hard objects that he knew couldn't be eggs. And so when they got home, they actually cut the fish open and they discovered what was bulking up the fish's stomach. One was a foam ball, part of another, and the other thing was part of another fish. And they found they found a fairly large sized dildo inside of a catfish. And as Kaisar referred to it, he called it the other object. He posted a picture of the photo of the catfish and this dildo on his Facebook Facebook page where it got over 19,000 shares as of Friday afternoon. So, Adrian, obviously they got way more than what they bargained for. Um, I kind of feel bad for the fish because they're going to probably eat it later on. But um, they, I don't know. Like, what do you do with that? <laughs> you should have just thrown it back. You just, just let them go. <laughs> well, I guess one follow up to your question: Are you asking what do you do with the fish, or what do you do with the dildo? Well, I mean, <laughs> dildo is self-explanatory. I hope you. I mean, well, since it's in the fish, I hope you don't do anything with it. Um, <laughs> honestly, and since the fish had that in it, you probably shouldn't even do anything with the fish. The whole thing should just be, de- you know, disposed of. You know, I, 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 guess I don't. I, <laughs> I like catfish. I don't like 
you know, dildos, but you know, so I wouldn't want either one. Hey. You know, just yeah. I mean, you know, somebody's keeping one. one. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> it's like buy one get one at reduced price, basically. You know? <laughs> Uh, that's hilarious but uh uh let's go to another story here that's you know listeners you know let us know how you like that one um this one's out of uh new york where a youtuber has added two more guinness world record titles to his name by downing liters of mountain dew and tomato sauce uh <laughs> It's just stupid. To, sorry, I don't want to say that his achievement's stupid, but it's stupid to me that there's even a Guinness World Record for drinking Mountain Dew or tomato sauce. It's just, there's nothing spectacular about that. But Mr. Eric Badlands Booker, I don't know if Badlands is from the, the show that was on AMC that was so terrible. Like, <laughs> do you know what I'm like talking about? Guinness World Record. <laughs> exactly. But anyway, Eric uh Batlands Booker, based out of Long Island, took on the record for fastest time to drink one liter of soda and the fastest time to drink one liter of tomato sauce. Booker drank his liter of Mountain Dew in 6.8 seconds and finished off his liter of tomato sauce in 1 minute and 18 seconds. Booker, a competitive eater, ranked 23rd by Major League Eating, previously set the Guinness World Record for fastest time to drink 2 liters of soda when he downed the beverage in 18.45 seconds. I, I mean, I don't know how long it takes me to drink a soda, but I mean, I don't. I never just try to down a liter. That seems like a lot to do as, as carbonated it is in 6.8 seconds. You know, when I'm riding uh, roller coasters, they usually go from zero to 60 in like six seconds. So mm-hmm. maybe Mr. Booker is like a roller coaster when it comes to drinking Mountain Dew. I'm sure his stomach is probably a roller coaster after mixing Mountain <laughs> Dew and tomato sauce. <laughs> I mean, no, I've... <laughs> I feel like we're just to the point with the Guinness World Records, we're just just making stuff up now. Like nobody has ever wondered how long it would take to drink a Mountain Dew, a liter of Mountain Dew, and a liter of tomato sauce. Like how long would that take? Like come on, uh, it's stupid. But congratulations, I guess, uh, to Mr. Badlands. There, uh, we'll go to our next quick hit, which is about Amazon's Alexa, which could soon mimic the voice of your dead relatives. Um, so according to Amazon's, uh, uh, what's here? Like, I'll start that over. So we'll go to our next quick hit here, which is about Amazon's Alexa, which could soon mimic the voice of your dead relatives. So Amazon's Alexa could soon replicate the voice of family members, even if they are dead. And the capability was unveiled at Amazon's uh, re-Mars conference in Las Vegas. And they say this feature is in development and would allow the virtual assistant to mimic the voice of a specific person based on less than a minute of a provided recording and so they actually played a video at this event and they had a young child ask alexa can grandma finish reading me the wizard of oz 
Alexa then acknowledges the request and then switches to another voice mimicking the child's grandmother. And the voice assistant then continues to read the book in that child's grandmother's voice. Amazon didn't provide any other further details about the feature, which is, of course, Adrian, it's going to probably spark some privacy concerns and ethical questions about consent, considering the fact that you could really just take, you know, a minute recording of anybody's voice and have Alexa mimic that. So it's kind of kind of weird, honestly. You know, I understand it where, you know, in this case, they had a kid ask for their grandma to read their, you know, a book to them, but it's like, I don't know. It's just, I don't know if I would ever want that feature or have, want my kids to have that feature. I just it just seems weird. Yeah, I thought it was um, odd, weird, you know, <laughs> strange, different. Yeah, you know, I think there's yeah. so many different adjectives that can go on and on to describe it. Um, bizarre. That's my last one. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's bizarre just it is. Yeah, I I get it. It's very sentimental. It's heartfelt, and you know, makes you feel like you got a part of that person still with you. But it's just, you know, you don't want your your grand, especially after that person's been passed away for like five years, ten years, fifteen years, and every time you go back to Alexa, you just hear that person's voice. It's yeah. like you ain't really get to move on because it's like your grandmother's still I- reading to you. Yeah, it's like reliving the trauma and the tragedy when you hear the person's voice. I don't know. It's just, I don't know. <laughs> Not I mean, something we asked for. Absolutely. And, you know, an, another interesting story here. Um, I, you know, sometimes I know that females sync up with cycles and stuff like that. But maybe there's a sync up with pregnancies or sync up with fertility phases. I don't know. But this Missouri hospital definitely knows a little bit more about that. Uh, 14 neonatal nurses who work in the NICU and labor and delivery department at St. Luke's East Hospital in Kansas City are pregnant at the same time. Caitlin Hall, a registered nurse within the labor and delivery unit, was first of the group to give birth. The hospital is now waiting the 13 other babies who will be welcomed into St. Luke's family. There's a mix of boys and girls on the way, with some moms opting to be surprised by learning the sex of their baby upon arrival. Combined due dates for the nurses spread all the way through December. So, interesting story. Like I said, I don't. I know that there are certain things that girls can sync up on. So I just feel like maybe this is like a sink of fertility. Yeah, I mean, maybe all the <laughs> husbands and boyfriends <laughs> got together and it's like, hey, make sure y'all, you know, do it all on this night. And they picked the same night. That's right. Lay it, it down on February the 13th. And... <laughs> Probably. Or maybe they, I don't know, maybe they picked Valentine's Day or something. I don't smart, know. It's, you know. Definitely <laughs> coordinated and talked about it after in the, in the, in the man's den afterwards. Right. I mean, they should definitely make sure like all their kids know of each other so, so they can all have like similar birthdays, especially if they could get it to where all 13 happen consecutively. Ah, <laughs> I mean, this is going to be like a maybe a sequel to Umbrella Academy or something. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> hey, maybe this could be a Guinness World Record. I don't know. Is that, a- <laughs> <laughs> is that a record exactly. for most people to be pregnant at the same time in the same place? I mean, you never know. So, yeah, we'll see. (laughs) But we'll move to our our next quick hit here. Not talking about pregnancy, but, you know, if you like to 
pee in the subway or on public transit, you might be in trouble here. So the the MBTA, which services Boston and the surrounding area, is launching a uh, pilot program this summer in which urine detection sensors will be placed in four downtown elevators. And these sensors uh, alert transit ambassadors who can dispatch a cleaning crew. And so the sensors are on the ceiling of the elevator and they have an attached fan, which allows them to suck in air and basically smell what is present. And this is according to Megan Collins, who is a uh, programming projects manager for the MBTA. The pilot actually starts in August and the data will be collected for several months before the agency makes a decision about whether to implement the program by the year's end. And this is not the first time this has happened. Uh, the MA uh, Mart Transit in Atlanta, or Martyr Transit, sorry, launched a pilot program a decade ago that actually triggered strobe lights, alarms, and alerts to Martyr police when urine was detected in an elevator. The elevators were then inoperable until a cleaning took place. And that program was deemed a success and was eventually expanded so you know if you can't hold it while you're on the elevator in public transit you might get in trouble you might get ticketed i don't know (laughs) i mean i know there's a bunch of homeless people that pee on the elevators in public transit because i've ridden on the elevators i hadn't watched them pee but i've smelled the pee after the fact so i know it happens I love this suction action to get the smell. I wish it was suction to get the smell out, not to just detect what you know what's going on. Because it's like it's just be sucking that pee pee aroma out, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, innovative, I, innovative. I, I like the innovation there. I mean, okay. that's that's what, it's, <laughs> that's what it's all about. I mean, so anyway, we'll, we'll go to our next story here. This is our last quick hit. So this is um, this is one about TikTok. Everybody's on TikTok, so y'all will probably appreciate this one. This is a viral drink trend that combines balsamic vinegar and soda water. is being tested by curious foodies because some people claim it tastes like a healthy Coke. But dentists and dietitians are warning that it might not be as healthy as it seems. TikTok user Amanda Jones brought attention to the unusual drink combination when she shared a video of herself making it on June 6th. Jones tells viewers it's a trusty recipe from her Pilates instructor that they use it to stay away from traditional sodas. I don't know about that. Um, the video has since been viewed more than 6.4 million times and has led others to try the recipe. TikTok users have conducted taste tests and have documented their reactions to the video sharing app. Some some agree with Jones that the recipe tastes like Coke and others say that it is not delicious and they don't like it. In a follow up video, Jones clarified that she's been making the drink for about two years and she only uses a splash, just a little splash of balsamic vinegar, which is equivalent to about half a shot glass, which sounds like a lot, actually. Using more than that would easily make the drink very bitter, she explained. Um, Balsamic vinegar and soda water. I, I, I cook with balsamic vinegar all the time, listeners, and I, I would never drink balsamic vinegar just by itself, even with mixed with something. I mean, like it's got to be cooked. I mean, that's it's this thing gonna taste like Coke. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, maybe we should try it, Devin. I mean, hey, if you want to go buy some soda water and some balsamic vinegar, we can <laughs> try it and see if it works. We can pregame with that. <laughs> I don't think it will, honestly. 
I think it's going to be really nasty. Um, <laughs> it can't be good for you either. I don't know. Like, where's the sweetness coming from? I mean, it's just like... Because soda water just tastes like nothing. So, uh, I don't, not, not on that TikTok trend. They can have that one. But if you're interested, balsamic vinegar, a splash of balsamic splash. vinegar in soda water, which... A sh- half a shot glass is not a splash. I felt like that was a lot. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like anytime but, I splash up, man, it's like, you know, it's a almost like a pinch or a taste. Yeah, <laughs> a little, little taste, you know. Yeah, I just want to, like, you know, flick the bottle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, listeners, if you do try, you know, reach out to us on social media. Let us know. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you do try the balsamic vinegar and soda water, uh, try it out. See if you, you might like it. It might taste like Coke. Um, but that's going to do it for our quick hits here and our show. So we made it to the end. Adrian, weekly roundup number one is in the books. We hope you enjoyed the new format uh, with the three stories in the beginning, some quick updates in our quick hits here. Um, and also, you're going to go ahead and get our ending. So what you have to look forward to is that next month in July, we'll have another Uh, interview with another fantastic guest and our topic is going to be fatherlessness in single parent homes so make sure you tune in for that next month then of course we'll be right back here next saturday for weekly roundup number two so make sure you tune in and get all the news from the past week this will be one week now instead of two months we're trying to get it all in next saturday so make sure you tune in for that and then aj is going to update you on some donations our charity of the month and then we'll get out of here yeah, absolutely. Make sure you donate to us. All you got to do is go to our website. You can click on the donate tab or you can go to Patreon, which is P-A-T-E-R-O-N dot com slash Black Agenda Pod. Make sure you donate to us. You get some stuff in return. We'll love you. We'll highlight you. So make sure you go and do that for us. The other thing is our charity of the month. That's going to be coming to you in July. So make sure you be on the lookout for that. Remember, June is Juneteenth month, so go celebrate Juneteenth and freedom if you don't need a charity of the month. But otherwise, be on the lookout for next month for July's charity of the month. That's right. So lastly, make sure you follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find us at BlackAgendaPod.com. Also, make sure you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We will appreciate it. And as always, continue to download the show and listen and support, share with friends, family, coworkers. We will appreciate it here at the Black Agenda. So, and we'll see you next Saturday for Weekly Roundup Number Two. So, until then, catch you next time.